Following Christ in 2021 is not for the faint of heart. Striving to be a kingdom man isn't about packing up and taking a vacation. It's about getting your mind right, your gear packed, and heading into war. It's more important now than ever before to stand up for what's right and just in the eyes of the Lord and seek His truth. This ain't a cruise ship, fellas. It's a battleship. So buckle up and get ready for the truth, the uncomfortable truth. Hello and welcome back to the uncomfortable truth. We're so glad to have you this morning. Brandon's going to open us up in prayer and then we'll get started. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time that we could get together. Lord, help us to always see uh, each new day as a blessing from you, no matter what we have going on in our life, Lord. Lord, thank you for uh, our guest today and uh, his testimony. Let it touch uh, any heart out there that uh, needs to hear it, that's either seeking you passionately or uh, hasn't found you yet, Lord. Lord, we uh, love you for all the blessings you provide, the things that we can see and the things that we can't. Help us to remain grounded in you and your word, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So uh, we have a guest today. His name's Dakota. Dakota is here with us. Dakota's from Gilmer. I'll tell a little bit about uh, how I met Dakota, and then I'm just going to kind of let him share his testimony. So Dakota and I, I believe we spoke on the phone about two months ago through our through our business, and uh, Dakota called me and needed some, some work done at his house. He had just built a new house, and he was looking for some landscaping work to be done, and we just we talked on the phone for a little bit that day, and we throughout that process, we get to the part where we're, we actually do the job. We send our, our crew out to do the job, and then me and my wife come out the next day, and I, at this point, I'd, I'd met and been around Dakota uh, physically uh, for about probably an hour total. Yeah, I think we had met maybe in person, maybe two or three times for you know fifteen to twenty yeah. minutes at a time. Yeah, you know, something so, along those lines. Throughout that process, we kind of just got to know each other, and I, I had, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we talked about faith or any. I don't maybe a little bit. You had mentioned possibly wanting to come to church, and I was like, well, here's where we go to church, and you know, you're welcome to come. We go at nine thirty, right? But that was about the extent of it at that right. point, right? Well, I don't know that we ever got in any really in-depth conversations until after all this had happened. But yeah. we just, you know, something was telling me to reach out to you and, you know, ask you about coming to church and everything else because it's something that me and my wife had talked about. And so, I heard you talk about it a few times. And so right. we wanted to obviously reach out to you. So the Lord, the Lord works in mysterious ways, and, and God is sovereign. And, I, like, through this whole process uh, – What's cool about this is that we, we get to see God's sovereignty right now, okay? And, and Dakota will, will talk about that in a minute. We didn't have to wait, which I'm sure there's a lot more sovereign things going on that we still don't see, but it's just really neat when God lines things up and says, you know, I'm sovereign, I know what I'm doing, just, you know, be still and follow me. So back to Dakota, um... He sent me a text. This was a couple of days later after we had finished his job, and he's like, man, God's moving in my life. So, Dakota, that's where I'm going to turn to you. The listeners are going to want to hear, like, what God did in your life, how how that transpired, and and kind of, this, this has been a week. Okay, this has been a week. Um, but Dakota and I have had several good conversations about what the Lord's done in his life, his story, um, and I just... I wanted to invite him on to share that with you guys out there uh, because this story is a little bit different than some of ours in here, and it may reach and it may touch somebody for Jesus. So, Dakota, I'm going to hand it over to you. And we'll, we may stop you and ask you some questions in between, but 
go ahead and just kind of start from the beginning on like your your testimony, how you grew up, what your life was like growing up, and how the Lord led you to this moment today. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, y'all don't have to help with this story and, and pick it out of me a little bit, but okay. uh, I definitely want to share it with everybody. So I'll kind of back it up a little bit from there. So absolutely what Shane has said, we had just had some uh, casual conversations over the past um, few weeks, and he gave me this podcast. And I'll be honest with you, he gave me that podcast initially, and it wasn't until about two to three days after he had gave it to me because I was busy that I'd actually had the opportunity to start listening to it. And I'll never forget, when I f- the first started listening to it, I got up that morning. I didn't have a real busy morning. And uh, I was going to get a haircut. And I show up to get my haircut. And uh, my barber, he's a really, like, in-depth, detailed guy. And I can remember the whole time he's cutting my hair, I'm thinking – Dude, can you hurry up? I'm ready to get back out there and listen to this podcast. I mean, I of all the other things I had going on that day, the only thing it was telling me is get back out there and listen to this podcast. And uh, so we're sitting there, and I finally get this thing shaped up and rocking and looking really good, you know, and get back out of the truck and hit episode two. And then I'm driving, and, you know, about this time we were talking about, you know, God has a plan for us, and, you know, we were talking about sovereignty and, and everything else. And uh, I don't think this is even wild part. I don't even think I've told you yet, Shane. So um, when I'm leaving the barber, my mother calls me and says, hey, I'm about to be at your house here in a minute. I said, okay, um, I'll be there in just a minute. And um, so I get to the house, and a uh, long story short for everybody, is I'm getting into building homes, and I work on an ambulance, and I'm going to get into more depths on that here in just a minute. But I get to the house, and my mother tells me, who she's had the same job for 10 years, that – uh she was telling me, she said, hey, um, the company is basically restructuring. Um, they're not telling me they're letting me go, but they're going to give me a pay cut, and I've got 24 hours to make a decision of whether I want to take that pay cut or take unemployment. And um, up until this point, a month and a half ago, she had just sold her home of 25 years, had committed to building this house, and now you've got somebody telling you, mm. hey, you're, you're not going to make as much money or we're going to put you on employment. I'm thinking – Oh, my gosh. I just convinced my mother a month ago, hey, I want to build you a dream home, and now you don't have a job. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like. Did you feel like a lot of that responsibility laid on you at that point? Absolutely, absolutely. But then all I could think about was the podcast I had just listened to about God's sovereignty, thinking, okay, God is going to do something here. Things are going to be great. I don't know what. But something's going to come down the pipeline. And she's sitting here, and she is so upset. I mean, I've already built, done the dirt work on this house. I mean, it's not like, I mean, we're ready It's not to an go. idea. It's it, starting. Oh, it's starting. I yeah. mean, we've got the plans that are, I mean, they're the final, final plans are being finished. I'd already known what the groundwork was, so I'd already started on the pad. And uh, I remember being like, oh, my gosh. But then the only thing I think of is, don't worry about it. God's got it. You know what I mean? I, I knew that something was going to be taken care of, and I just told her, I said, because, like I said, they only gave her 24 hours. And uh, I just remember, like, I'll tell you what, Mom, I said, no matter what, and like I said, I normally, I've never denied God ever in my life. I've always known he's my Savior. But to say I've ever always spoken on him and always uh, tried to spread the word and tell people to lean on God, that's not something I did up until this. And all of a sudden, I'm doing it. I'm going, where did this come from, dude? Like, what is what is <laughs> yeah. coming out of your mouth? This is not how you normally act. And uh, I said, well, I, I said, I guess I'm awesome. I guess, I guess you need to call the bank or, you know, figure out what they're going to do. Um, and it's pretty funny. 
long story short, she calls the bank and because uh, my mother was able to financially make enough money whenever she had sold her first home because she was at this house for 20 years. And they go, Miss Cannon, don't you worry about a thing. Um, you've got enough equity. You can you can go on unemployment. You don't have to um, take this pay cut, you know. And um, I remember going, wow, things are going to work out. And then uh, fast forward to yesterday, my mother was telling me about how now, and then so I started sharing her the story about how what we'll get back to. She started listening to Yell's podcast, and um, so then she. I remember her telling me last night she she'd had all these ideas that had popped in her brain about running for, uh, um, like the local government and mm-hmm. maybe running for a uh, district office and stuff like that, or you know that another lady had reached out to her about wanting a job and you know she all these opportunities that she didn't think were going to be there had starting to fall now nothing is confirmed yet but she knows now because listen to me talk that there's something in the works for it mm-hmm. because i have always said from the get-go after listening to that podcast that god's got a plan for you mm-hmm. you just got to allow him to work he knows it you don't mm-hmm. you just got to be able to put him as number one and, and lean towards it and now i'm going to get back to the beginning because how i'm speaking now is not how I spoke a week ago. It's just not yeah. not the facts. If I'm just going to put it out there, um, I'm not going to act like I've been I've been talking like this my whole life because that's half of the story. That is because I haven't. Uh, All of our stories um, <laughs> come from us being broken sinners that have done things that we are not proud of brother mm-hmm. so yeah and the change happens when you become so uncomfortable in the way that you're living that it pushes you to make a decision that i'd rather live like this over here because this isn't isn't working there's got to be that moment right oh absolutely. sounds like that moment's uh, coming that first conversation me and you had it about seven o'clock i mean i don't know that i'm, I'm not a crier i've never been that way i was in the i was in the marine corps i was always taught to you know be tough you know you don't show emotion and it just got me, and it let me go. And I remember you telling me, like, man, do not feel afraid to be emotional and be tied into what is going on. Let that guard down. Mm-hmm. Be uncomfortable based on what we were talking about these podcasts. And that was, fine, you know, very humbling. And uh, so I guess we'll get back to the uh, original story here of what kind of has all occurred. Um, so a big thing that kind of hit me in that first podcast was uh, to put my story out there is I never grew up with my uh, father in my life, not whatsoever. I mean, if you put me in a crowd, I couldn't pick him out. Um, wasn't, didn't grow up with a father figure. Um, my mother had me at a, a young age, and I was basically raised by, raised by my mother and her family. But uh, I was very fortunate to have my granddad, who um, really took me under his wing, and you could tell, I'm not saying he treated me better, but you knew he, he knew the situation I was in, and he really knew that he, instead of putting on that, that grandfather hat, you know, he had to put on that father hat for me. And um, I was very, very blessed to have that because some people I do not there didn't probably don't get that at all, you know. And I was, yeah, sure. Luckily, I'd had him. Um, and not to discredit my granddaddy at any point any in this, but uh, he actually grew up as a Mormon. I um, did 23 years in the Army. Um was probably not the most spiritual person, but a very disciplined person, if that makes sense, after 23 years being on My granddaddy was a very good guy, mm-hmm. um, but was not, like I said, could he tell you in quote verses out of the Bible? No. Um, 
Now, my grandmother, however, sweetest person in the world, grew up in church. Her family grew up in church, and she could she could throw it on you. Mm-hmm. And uh, she would – I can remember being, you know, 7, 18 years old, and Mimi would, you know, take me and Papa to church. And um, my granddaddy was not someone to just really speak and talk a whole lot. And uh, I can remember one day we have been going to church here pretty consistently. And I think I'm eight years old, so I don't have the knowledge – you know, of a 55 or a 60 year old man does. Mm-hmm. And, um, I can remember looking at him one day and he's crying. We're in church. And, um, he decided that day he wanted to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, wow, you know, this is, I mean, even at eight, I was like, cause I had knew that he did not grow up as a Christian. He kind of grew up in that Mormon aspect things but now we're in a bad setting and um well okay and uh because at this time in my life I didn't have a dad I knew I didn't have a dad and my granddaddy was my father figure all I wanted to do was impress my granddad whatever I wanted to do I wanted to do to impress him or like me and Shane had talked about I wanted to do great to show that my father that was absent in my life it not that I'd maybe ever meet him but it's be like ha look what I've done and I can remember the ignorance behind this. I remember saying, all right, my granddaddy's being saved. I need to be saved. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really know the commitment yeah. that I was taking at this time. And um, so long story short, me and my granddaddy were baptized together because I'd seen him do it. And I said, oh, I want to be like granddad. I want to be baptized. And um, obviously, at his age, he knew what he was getting into. I did not. You know what I'm saying? So um, I have been baptized Um and I've always been a believer in Christ. But like we talked earlier, I didn't act in a manner of somebody who believed in Christ. And so we'll fast forward um, through this a little bit. And uh, Oh, before we fast forward, I've got a question. This is going to deep dive a little bit. Okay, so um, it's going to cause you to ponder a little bit and think and we can help you out with this. Um, but I know there's, a, there's probably a lot of listeners didn't, that didn't grow up with like a a, a great father figure or a father in their life. You talk about your grandpa as your father figure. But looking back from where you're at now, you're 27 years old Correct. to when you're 8, 9, 10 years old. I'm just trying to, I want our listeners to give them some help or understanding on how to process a situation that that maybe they didn't grow up with a father figure. How did you view that? as an eight, nine, or 10-year-old, and how do you process through that today? Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, after what has happened to me now and what we'll get back to is I think maybe God's sovereignty was maybe I did not need that farther figure because now that I am changed, maybe I can help those of out there who did not grow out there. I mean, God has a plan, and he intends for us to plant that seed. And now maybe I'll be used as a tool to plant the seed for the guys that did not grow up yeah. with a father. Um, but at the time, I didn't, you know, I, like I said, I had no idea this at eight. Yeah. And like I said, I grew up really frustrated when, you know, you talk about um, you go over to buddies' houses and their dads mm-hmm. are there. And, you know, because my granddaddy was so much older, he wasn't, you know, up to date and I'd say hip like some of these other parents were. And um, there's some things that I did not get to experience it you know, going, you know, 8, 10, going through school, 
that other kids my age has had. You know what I mean? It's not like me. My granddaddy was taking me on a lot of camping trips and stuff like this. He's older. You know what I mean? It's not like he was actively involved in um, taking me to baseball practice and stuff like that. I mean, he just wasn't to that age yet. Yeah. And um, it's a funny story to talk. You know, you know I think wife. there's a lot of stereotypes on what, you know, fathers do in, in the lives of their children. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, uh, what I'm hearing is that your granddaddy did more than a lot of the daddies that we grew up with and knew and know now. Yeah. Um, which is pretty stinking awesome. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. really cool. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, that that is pretty pretty awesome that that he <clears throat> that he was willing and uh felt the calling in his life to be that man in your life. Um I think it absolutely has shaped you into who you are today. So Oh, 100%. Pretty um, pretty awesome. I don't think um he necessarily shaped me in the, in a godly manner but because he had been in the military for 23 years he really taught me discipline right and i think that obviously that carries over mm-hmm. into being a godly man but i mean he had established discipline with me that's a great point that is a, it's a great point it's a good foundation absolutely it was a great foundation this is a, a pretty funny short story i was thinking about coming over here so after i got out of the marine corps um and we'll get back to all this other i was working as a paramedic and uh i think i was one of those, I had, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money, so I was still living with my mom at the time. And I'd been on the ambulance. And I hope some of the guys from work into listen to this, and even my boss at work. <laughs> they know exactly the story I'm about to tell right now because they all die laughing about this. <laughs> and so we start shift at 7 in the morning. Well, Dakota, somehow or another, rolled over on top of his phone and did not wake up for work. And so I've been at, I've worked at Camp County MS for about, at this time, probably maybe, four to five months so I'm still pretty new and um I can remember I mean all the guys knew where I lived and stuff um and I can remember boom 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 they're beating baiting be, beating on my door and it's like seven fifteen, seven twenty, and I'm going hmm here's this beating and I'm like waking up going hmm I've slept good and I look at my phone and go oh my god I'm late what's going on and I see the guys and they're like Hey, dude, you coming to work today? Yeah, I'll right, be there in a minute. Be there in a minute. So I, I They're get at your house beating on your door. Yes. Are you coming to work? They, yeah. Did Are they come you? to get you in the ambulance? Yes. Oh, That's absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're in the ambulance. The ambulance is pulled up in my front driveway um, because my childhood home, and actually even where I ended up buying my other house, was literally 0.5 miles from the ambulance station. Okay. And so, um, long story short, I show up to work and uh, about – I don't know, 9.30 or 10 o'clock that morning, and this will give you a good reflection of who my granddaddy was. I get a phone call. Hey, you're at work, aren't you? I said, yes, sir. You work today? Yes, sir. Hey, I'm out in the parking lot of the station. I said, okay. So I get out there to him, and he's just got this real stern look on him. And he goes, what time you got to be at work? He said, you got to work at 7 in the morning, right? I go, yes, sir. He goes, well, it's real funny. I drove town this morning at 710. Your truck's still in the parking lot of your house. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and I go, this is what I'm saying. This is at 20, 23 years of military. There's nothing. I Nothing got past this guy. And I go, okay. And at this point, I think I'm probably 23 years old. Thought I'd been doing pretty good for myself. You know, I've been in the Marine Corps. I'm a paramedic now. I got it. And then at 23, year old, 23 years old, he – 
proceeds to telling me how the horse eats the apple and that I need to get my life together. And if I say I'm going to be at work at 7 in the morning, then I need to get up and have my butt at work at 7 in the morning. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. And I go, I yes, sir. we've all had those yes. moments. Yeah, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> so he pulls into your place of work. Yes. Calls hey, bu- you. Hey, bud, come outside. Out to the parking lot. So you're like, you're walking out and going, what what is going on here? Well, I just thought they maybe want to have a casual conversations. I mean, I really did not expect to walk into, and then I was just like, uh, yeah. Then I knew what was about to happen. I was like, um, yes, sir. Sorry, Papa. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Papa. And he goes, and then like I said, again. we he we have proceeded to this, uh, me chewing me out and telling me, hey, get it together. You started a new job. You said you were going to be there at seven in the morning. That's what time work starts, and you need to be there. Wow. You need to be a man of your word. Yes, sir. And then he ended it with a smile, <laughs> and he hands me um, some breakfast. And he goes, I'm sure you didn't get up and I know you didn't get up in time this morning to eat breakfast. So here's you some breakfast this morning. Wow. Hey, if that's not a dad, man, man, I don't know what is. That's that's that's, that's, that's incredible. That's a great yeah. great story, man. That yeah. is. That yeah. is. Loving you, holding you accountable, having expectations that he knows he set for you that you've watched and followed, and then I love you. And then Grace. Yeah, and Grace. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And then uh, so funny story about getting back to guys at work. My uh, boss at work, he's, he's got to know him. He's one of the best guys in the world. Um, r- seriously, probably he's more of a father figure to me than he is a boss. And I can remember him coming down there, I don't know, probably noon that day. And uh, all the guys at work had heard all this commotion out here with my granddaddy. Now, are they giving you flack for oversleeping? Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. Absolutely. good. I figured so. but Because the uh, sure. boss man, his name is Mike, he comes in to, and he was going to give me a little flack. He goes, after I heard what your granddad did, he got it covered. Yeah. We're yeah. good, and they yeah. just start ball laughing. And we all still laugh about that story to this day. That's awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. That's awesome. So, so go ahead. Well, I was just curious. Um, you're, I'm assuming your grandfather's passed away. Okay. Yes, sir. I, it felt like you were speaking of him in past tense. So when did he pass away? Okay, so we'll, we've got a little side story okay. that we're going to get back to here. Okay. Um, so getting back to what we were talking about before we got on the radio, y'all wait for me. Y'all decided to wait to not put the headphones on until I got a real good story in. <laughs> um, so, anyways, when I was in high school, um, played sports, but I was never the type of guy that I thought I was ever going to go to college. And so, because my granddaddy was my uh, my hero, he was my father figure. I wanted to be just like him. You know, I wanted to impress him. And so, coming out of high school, I decided I was going to go in the Marine Corps. Now, he was in the Army, and so my joke was always, I got to up you. You know, Army stands for ain't ready to be a Marine yet. So, <laughs> and uh, he'd always gig and say, huh, okay, yeah, we'll see. And uh, so I go spend some time in the Marine Corps. And um, to be honest with you, when I was in the Marine Corps, I lost a lot of contact with my granddaddy because I was deployed overseas. Um, I'm not in Gilmore, Texas anymore. You know, I've gone to boot camp, training, fleet Marine to, you know, Afghanistan, come back, go back to Spain. I mean, I spent a lot of my time when I was in the Marine Corps out of country and not necessarily stateside. And um, so, like I said, I still got to talk to my granddad a lot, but it's not like he was active in my life every day. It's not like I'm getting to see him every day. And, you know, like I said, still don't have a father figure either. A true, you know, earthly father besides my granddad. And um, so I remember it comes down to the point of me getting out and I'd actually thought about staying in. Um, and then I'm going to give my grandmother some credit here. Um, I was my grandmother's baby. And grandmother had 
um, stayed with my granddaddy for 23 years in the Army. She was with him his entire career. And I can remember telling my mom and, and granddad that, you know, I'm considering staying in. And uh, that lasted all of about one day until the word got back to grandmother. <laughs> and grandmother said, I don't care what we got to do. If you don't have a job or not, you are not staying in. I want you back home. And uh, What was her reason for that? Because uh, she wanted her, guess her grandbaby. Okay, she wanted she, she, yeah, like you're gonna be here, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was there was gonna be no. And like I said, I was a little wishy washy at the time. I wasn't sure if I was gonna stay in, but I was like, the time you know, I'm there's only there's a certain period of time of the year that you can reenlist. I mean, it's not like it's available all year. And so I'm like, you gotta uh, make a decision. Gra- grandmama been counting every day of them for yeah. years. Oh yeah, yeah. Grand- yeah. Grandmama was ready for me to come home. And so, uh, long story short, grandmother won this battle, mm-hmm. and. Um, so I, I get back home, and uh, I had no job <laughs> whatsoever. I'd had no plan. Um, but my uh, kind of got sovereignty here. My uh, mother works at a uh, makeup store, retail store, and um, one day when she was at work, she was selling a gentleman some cologne, and uh, they just started having some gradual conversations about how he, uh, how my son's getting ready to get out of the Marine Corps, blah, 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 blah. And uh, he said, oh, well, that's awesome. You know, if he needs a job when he gets out, I'm a, I'm a paramedic. And um, I used to be in the Navy. And if he needs a job, even, I'm an electrician, even if he knows nothing about it, I would uh, love to have him on, hire him on, and I'll teach him. And um, I'll kind of tie all this back in to begin with. So when I was in the Marine Corps, I was an engineer. So um, I had ran dozers, ran heavy equipment. Uh, my granddaddy retired from the army when he got out, though he was a painting contractor. Um, and then I get out, and now I'm doing a little bit of electrical work, and that's kind of where all this knowledge of a construction comes from that I'll tie into at the end. And uh, so, anyways, I get out and I go and work for um, his name is Bill, and I start doing some electrical work with him. And all the guys on his work staff are former military or paramedic firemen or I don't know if we had, I don't think we had any police officers, but they were either paramedic firemen or former military. So we all connected really well when we were at work. So you were working for him as a, as a uh, electrician or contractor, uh, correct? Print, an apprentice electrician. I okay. Knew but point. he was an EMS. Prior to. So prior he, to. So he had basically done the reverse. He was in the Navy, got out. He was an electrician in the Navy, um, got out. And for whatever reason, he ended up becoming a paramedic. And uh, but was still doing electrical, and then he guess he he got his master electrician, decided to step off the ambulance and take off. Okay, being an electrician full time and got off the ambulance because so this time um, he wasn't on the ambulance at all. It's, he did it for four or five years or so. Okay, and um, so anyways, because I was an apprentice and you know didn't really know a whole lot, he couldn't pay me just a whole lot of money for my knowledge. And um, but I did um, within a few months, I obtained a job running um, equipment, which is what I'd done in the Marine Corps and. This is a separate job, correct? This is a separate job, okay. absolutely. Um, and then so, but at the same time, I had felt bad because I just had this guy that reached out to me out of the Marine Corps to give me a job. And so, in the way the schedule played out that I was working on the dozer, I would work like three on, four off, and then so on my days off, I would still go and uh, do some wiring for him. I really wanted to learn the trait um, still. I mean, you know, knowledge is key here. And so... I uh, would work the dozer, get off, and then if I had three or four days off, I'd go help him wire houses or whatever projects he had going on. And uh, being around that group of guys, and uh, I still keep in contact, so hopefully a lot of, we can reach out, get them a lot on this podcast yeah. too. And um, 
I can remember, you know, when I was wiring houses, I would think, like, how happy I was. Like, man, this is a really good group of guys. I really enjoy this atmosphere, um, this, that, and the other. Vice versa, where I was running this dozer, I was spending 12 hours by myself in a bulldozer. You know, I ate lunch in this dozer. I mean, that was in that dozer all day long. It wasn't – I enjoyed running equipment, but there was – other than being in this bulldozer, it was not enjoyable. And I said, like, the – it reminds me of the correlation. You talk about being in the Marine Corps. What I hear in the when people come out of any kind of Army branch, any kind of branch in Marines, Army, Navy, whatever, is that uh, you you fight for the for the brothers beside you, right? Oh yeah, you they, live and you know, die absolutely with not. those guys, and you well, form a form a brotherhood, and that's kind of what you're seeking in your work as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, anybody will tell you, you know when you're in combat or anything like that, nobody is looking, oh, I'm doing this for America, the stars and the stripes. You're doing this for the guys that left you right of you that you have spent every waking moment with for the last year training to go to Afghanistan. That's who you're fighting for. Mm-hmm. It's I want to get us out of here, not I want to do this for America. I mean, that it's sounds hard horrible. To, it's hard to replicate that yes, in you, just civilian life. Yes, you've got to be able to see that and – uh I know that sounds silly, you know, that we makes go to serve our country. Makes but perfect you're, sense. You're serving your buddies at this time. You're not serving the well, stars and stripes. What I think about there is, you know, we are all sitting here as believers of Christ and trying to live that life and shine that light, but what connects us is the individual relationships. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty of it is it all comes down to relationships no matter what capacity we're in, military or otherwise. So that makes perfect sense to me. I was like, cool, cool. And uh, and then once I was coming back to listen to some of y'all's podcasts, you know, we used to say the same thing in the Marine Corps, iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a good Marine, surround yourself with good Marines. If you want to be a great Marine, surround yourself with the elite. Surround yourself with the great. You look at a lot of them SEALs, Navy SEALs, and spec ops. They are elite because they surround themselves with people that drive them every day to be the best. You know, com- they don't they don't get complacent. Because nobody in the group is complacent. It's amazing how God designs everything like in every realm. It's it's all it all connects. Everything comes back to that. We're we're not designed to sit in the cab of a dozer by ourselves. That's that's not the way God designed us. He he designed us to be with other people, fellowship, other men, to serve to fellowship, to encourage. Fight together. Uh, that's right. Fight together. I mean, fight whether that's fighting the enemy, mm-hmm. fighting life. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, it's so cool to me that throughout this entire podcast, you know, from the beginning to now, talking to different people, different backgrounds, it all comes back. It always comes back mm-hmm. to the men and women that we're surrounding ourselves with and how we can sharpen each other, encourage each other, and just kick the day in the face together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? uh, it's pretty cool. I agree. Absolutely. I don't I mean, mean to interrupt your story your there, Dakota. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, I loved how it, you tied all that in just then. It, it just really um, – I just think it's important, you know, to point it out and, and, and just – really soak it in you know for for our listeners and and for us too you know i'm speaking absolutely. to myself absolutely absolutely i mean i've always you know being in some form of leadership once i had promoted and stuff like that and um 
so I had, you know, gone through all these deployments and um, stuff like that. And uh, come down to the end, I'd only had about eight months left on contract. At this time, I decided I was not going to re-enlist. Um, but I was afforded the opportunity because they said, hey, you know, you have basically, you've done your time. We know you're getting out. Um, but you don't have enough time to deploy. So we can't send you to do all this workups and training to go overseas. I go, okay. But um, if you would like the opportunity, we're going to send you to McMap School, which, long story short, McMap is the Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. So every Marine is a user, but I went to becoming a McMap instructor so that I could belt users up, coach okay. and teach. And um, these were always just things that we would, we would always do these things, like, you know, iron sharpens iron. Um, you know, if you surround yourselves with five millionaires, guess who the sixth is going to be? You. And so that's always what I thought about is, you know, kind of reflecting back on what you just said there. Yeah. And um, but kind of tie all this back in together, um, I'll, I'll remember sitting on that dozer at about 2 in the morning one day thinking, at this time, I didn't know who it was, but it was God. There's no doubt about it. It was God, and it was God's sovereignty. After listening to all of this, I remember a voice telling me, thank you, God, Get off this dozer, go to the fire academy, become a firefighter, become a paramedic. And uh, I can remember I'd had a break. I remember getting on my phone, and I remember seeing when the next available fire academy was. And I think it was like, started like February 18th around this time. It was like early December. And uh, going back to kind of all the discipline, my granddaddy, you know, told me, he's like, you, you live a job, you always tell somebody way in advance. You know what I mean? That's just the honorable, disciplined thing to do. So I can remember right there, I knew what I was going to do. So I remember calling my boss, saying, hey, man, uh, appreciate you ever done for me. I'll stay up until this point. But February 18th, I'm, I'm leaving to go to the fire academy, and that will be, I guess, the shift before that or whenever will be my last day. And um, he said, okay. And we all left on good terms, and I worked up until the point that I went to the fire academy. And uh, <laughs> even surrounding myself with all the firemen and stuff, the ignorance behind this is I wanted to be a firefighter and paramedic, firefighter, paramedic. Um, and I wanted to get to go to work for Longview Fire Department. That was a goal because a lot of these guys were retired Longview firemen. And uh, so long story short, I go to the fire academy, graduate, and I roll right into EMT school in the summer. So basically by the time the fire academy ended, I went right into EMT school. How long is the fire academy? It's about three months. Okay. And it's a grind. It's like it's like going back to boot camp again. Start okay. back over. It's Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and it is a military-style academy. Okay. I mean, anybody who's been through it, it's – now, am I going to sit here and say, is it intense as Marine Corps boot camp? And they're flipping over wall lockers and screaming and yelling at you? No, but it is a... You had preparation for it. Oh, yeah. Did you... I'm curious because it... I'm going to guess yes, but it seems like when that becomes a part of your fabric, your grandfather being military, you knowing what discipline was, that <coughs> you kind of seek that out a little bit. Absolutely. And you were probably like feeling like you were back at home, even though it was not... Yes. Ideal for most people. Yes, 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 and absolutely. Even when I remember being at boot camp in the Marine Corps, obviously Marine Corps boot camp is tough. Mm -hmm. But I had had a good foundation going into this that it was probably a lot easier on me than said somebody who did, was, did not grow up with that discipline in their life. I grew up with this every day. Yeah, you yeah. walked into it knowing that you're, you're not, you're not going to give up through this process, where, oh. where some people don't. Oh, no, 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 no. That, for me, it has made this transition to – becoming a active godlier man and putting him as number one a lot easier because I had already had 
this background and that ties into that sovereignty for me that you know god's been preparing me my whole life yeah, for you this. can see it and you can hear it in your story that's and, awesome um, and you had no clue really oh no 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 and this and here in a minute i'm we're gonna hear the ta-da moment okay and uh so fast forward i'm trying to get with the okay so anyways we go to the fire academy um go straight through emt school um and at this point in time i've graduated emt school through the fire academy, I had to quit my job, so I have no income. So I'm getting the money for my GI Bill, which is not near as much as, so I had went from having to have a place, house to moving back in with my mother to do all of this. So anyways, fast forward, I get I get out of EMT school, and uh, I was like, man, I need a job, you know, because I've still got to get my paramedic before I can go and chase this dream of going to Longview Fire. And uh, so I put in an application at Camp County EMS who had ran – the area that I lived in, Ray Gilmer, and they were Camp County EMS, but they had run a majority of Upshur County and Camp County, and they had expanded once uh, that other service had left. ETMC at the time used to run the service there, and they left, and so Camp County obviously backs into Upshur County, so they took over. And uh, I'm going to mess with my boss here, but I got the opportunity. So I can remember I put on all these applications, put all these applications in. Well, I, actually, I put my first application in with Camp County, and I did not hear anything for a few weeks. And uh, it's funny to think about this. So I'll never forget. I said, well, I guess Camp County's not going to hire me. So I put in two applications, one to Champion EMS, or now Christus EMS, and the other one to UT Health. And uh, the next day, I get an email from UT Health saying, hey, will you set a time to come and interview? Um, and I checked that email when at around 11. Well, I'd never made a decision whether I was going to go or not. So the next day, I come home, and I was off. And uh, I wake up that next morning, and I check my email again. And sure enough, I have an email from the director of Camp County EMS. Hey, Dakota, will you please contact me? And uh, I said, absolutely. I said, this, this is where I wanted to go. I said, if I was going to take a job, I want to go work in the community on that. And because uh, that hurt nothing about great things. Because even when I was in EMT school, you have to do clinicals. And I had done my clinicals with these okay. guys. And so I knew when I got out of EMT school, I want to go to Camp County and get my paramedic and then go to Longview Fire. That was my plan. Um, but up to this point, even through clinicals, I had never met the director, whose name is Mike, who we talked about earlier in the podcast. So anyway, so I interviewed with Mike, and, I mean, you're talking about one of the best people I've ever met, and he gave me the opportunity to come and work for him. So I get my paramedic, and I can remember after I get my paramedic, I'd been with such a good group of guys. Uh, and during all this, I'd never had a – I didn't know. And at this point, you know, I wasn't going to church. You know what I mean? I mean, I was—I believed in God. I'm never denied God. But during all this, was I saying I was—I was at church every Sunday and always talking about God and and stuff? No. Did I ever deny Him? Absolutely not. I've never denied God. Um, I'd always believed in Him, always trusted in Him, and then, as we all like to say, sometimes I found myself looking back. I'd only pray to God when I needed something. Mm-hmm. Whenever. Things were tough. Oh God, get me through this. Get me through this test. National registry on your to get your paramedic. Other than that, I would never pray to him. I only prayed. I only think about it. How selfish I was. I only asked for God when I needed him. I was never carrying out godly things. Other than that, I wasn't trying to represent him every day. I just called upon him when I wanted him. Not when not doing his plan of using him every day and trying to help others. I just always wanted him whenever I needed something. And. uh so long story short, I get my paramedic aside to stay at Camp County, and I think 
about this time we're coming into January, February, February of 2019. I'd been a paramedic for about a year, year and a half. Um, and about this time I, my wife had gotten out of college and me and her had started dating. And, um, I believe it's, man, I can't tell you the exact date. I believe it's like, a end of February, I'm on, I'll never forget it. I'm on, I'm on duty in Pittsburgh, not in Gilmer, which is crazy. Cause most of the time I work in Gilmer and uh, I'm sitting there and one of our guys that works for us, he's a full-time fireman too. He's full-time. And then on his days off, he works on the ambulance. And, uh, you got to know this guy, BJ, everybody's going to laugh about you. He's a jokester. You know what I mean? He sounded real serious. And you go, Oh really? And you go, oh, I'm just fooling with you. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sitting at the station and we're all, it's funny. I was talking to Mike and our other, uh, assistant director, Hooper. we're all sitting around talking, chit-chatting. I get this call from Billy Joe. And, um, like I said, up to this point, you know, me and all these guys, we were like family. We go on trips together. We know the ins and outs of each other's lives. And I remember BJ calling me with this panic in his voice. And I'm thinking, oh, ha, ha, you know, another one of your jokes. And he goes, Dakota, how many are they? Everybody calls me Deke at work for whatever reason. He goes, Deke, um, how many dogs do you have? How many dogs do you have? I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I've got two. And he goes, your house is on fire. Your house is on fire. And I'm going, ah, ha, ha, real funny. He goes, no, Dakota, I'm dead serious. Your house is on fire. We're trying to get the dogs out. And I'm going, oh, no, he's serious. You know, like I knew that, like I said, I thought this was, and I'm like, no, he is dead serious. So, and like I said, my boss, Mike, was in, in the office when all this happened, and we both just kind of looked at each other, and he was like, go, leave, leave. So I threw the drug key out of my pocket, you know, and I take off. And sure enough, I get there, and my house had burned down. Uh, they had everyone seen the smoke. Um, it didn't burn completely, but everything in it was ruined. By the time they had all the water and smoke and everything, Everything that I had owned and stuff was absolutely ruined. Um, but I can remember during all this, I remember thinking, like, why did this happen to me? You know, I'm a, you know, I, I think I'm a good guy. You know, I work on an ambulance. I try to help people. You know, I've I've served my country. I mean, what else do you want me to do? Why would you Why would you do this to me? And I remember, I wasn't necessarily mad at God, but I can remember questioning, like, I mean, my goodness, I mean, why does this happen to good people? I thought I was a good person. And um, this was at the end of February. And so, dealing with insurance, I had to hire a contractor to remodel my house. Um, it's about, it's June, early June. And I remember my granddaddy, obviously, I've, you know, come back and see my granddaddy. And I am still see my family and stuff all the time. And uh, coming back to all this, my granddaddy, he had always had this gut for my hernia. I used to always mess with him about it. I'm like, you look pregnant. And that was just like all the things <laughs> I used to mess with him about. Well, I can remember. I mean, he had this thing for 20-something years. And I remember him telling me, and it's starting to bother me a little bit. So he reached out to a doctor, and they wanted to do surgery on it. And so I remember he had got a surgery date, and he reached out to me. He said, hey, Dakota, because um, my grandmother doesn't drive, okay? And uh, he goes, hey, can you take me for surgery? And I said, yeah, I'll take you for surgery. And uh, two days right before his surgery, something became – Somebody called off sick or something like that. And uh, the date was June 25th, um, which is the day before my birthday. And I remember calling Granddad. I said, hey, Granddad, I said, uh, do you mind if I work? Um, because I was worried about money. That's all mm -hmm. I cared about. And I was trying to make money, trying to make money because all this fire stuff and trying to recuperate some money so I can go pay for some things until insurance kicks in. 
And uh, he goes, absolutely. He said, uh, you, you do what you got to do. He said, it's funny. Um, Jody's off. He, he'll take me. He was my uncle. I said, okay, no big deal. So he goes in that morning for surgery. All's well, no problems. Um, I go throughout my shift. And for those of you who don't know out there, in paramedics, we work 24, 48 hours at a time. We come in at 7 in the morning, and we either work till 7 in the morning the next day, or you work 48 hours or whatever. We don't work Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. That ambulance has got to run. People have emergencies no matter what. They People just don't have emergencies between 8 and 5 in the mor- and Monday through Friday. And so it was about, ah, I think at about 6.30 or 7, I called and checked on him, had a conversation with him. He said, oh, yeah, everything's good. No big deal. I feel fine. I said, okay. Um, and we'll back up to the point that they live in our response district. Um, and then about that time, it was about 45 minutes later, we're sitting in a recliner and um, working with, I'm actually working on the ambulance with one of my really good buddies. And uh, a lot of my guys probably get irritated with this, but most of the time when I answer a phone call, I just put people on speaker or whatever and I'll just talk, you know. And uh, I remember my grandmother calling me and she goes, hey, um, you, for those of you who don't know my grandmother, my grandmother, she doesn't get worked up about anything. And she really wasn't worked up when she called me. She goes, hey, I mean, she puts this very mildly. She goes, hey, can you come check on Pawpaw? He fell down. I'm going, okay. You know, he just tripped, needs some help up. And uh, looked at Adam, and Adam hold him. He said, okay, cool. He said, we'll go. We'll go pick him up, check on him. Um, so between getting out of the recliner and getting to the ambulance, I get another phone call from my grandmother. And she says, I don't think he's breathing. And I said, Okay. And I start thinking of the worst of the worst. And based on where our station was to where they lived, it's about a, and they live out in the county. So it's not like this is some three or four minute response or two minute response. And so I can remember the whole time I'm panicking. Like, is he breathing? Is he not breathing? Maybe she doesn't know what she's looking at. And uh, I get there and, and she was right. He wasn't breathing. He didn't have a pulse. And I'm the paramedic. I'm the one in charge on this call. So then I had to try to resuscitate my hero. And uh, we did the best we could. And long story short, we transported him. and uh, He didn't make it. And um, so afterwards, I can remember carrying all this anger. You know, you burn my house down. You didn't have a father. I'm still 27 years old, and you just took who who I looked up to every day. And uh, I carried all this anger, and I carried all this anger for a long time. Um, You angry towards God at that point? I wouldn't necessarily say angry towards God, but just thinking, why why am I a good person? What, What are the benefits of being good? You know what I mean? I wouldn't necessarily say I wasn't mad at God. I was just thinking, like, well, why do we be good people? Because I thought God was supposed to be good to those who are, who are good people. You know what I mean? That's in, that's how, looking back at it now, how ignorant I was. You know what I mean? I was sitting there thinking, like, what's the point of being a good person if if good things don't happen to you? I think is more the best way to, to put that. And so, uh, try to fast forward here. So finally, get the house remodeled. And um, fortunate enough, we got through it with a one-star Google review. And uh, we lived in the house for a few months. And I can remember looking at Morgan and saying, um, 
why don't we just why don't we sell the house? You know, it's it's worth its most value now. It's completely remodeled. Um, why don't we sell the house? Let's just go ahead and get our dream home. I mean, why not? Let's get it paid for. Let's go ahead and purchase it. And we look 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 on the market. And um, we decided we were going to build because we could not find anything on the market that we wanted. And so I reached out to a guy named Brent, who in the funny side of things was a painting contractor with my granddad. Mm. They worked together um, before I was born, but they had worked together for a long time after my granddad got out of the Army. And um, so long story short, Brent starts to build my home, and I start to develop this relationship with Brent, who is what I would call a 10-star builder. Uh, I went from the one-star to the 10-star. And I had seen what quality was and good customer service was and what it was like to receive a good product. Um, and so, long story short, we get our house built, and um, we're sitting, and, you know, a few months have gone by, and my mother had said, Hey, um, you know, my mother, it was just a casual conversation one day, goes, hey, um, I want to build a home. Or or she had talked about wanting to drill, build a dream home. And I said, at this point, my mother had had that childhood home of mine for a long time. Had a lot of equity. I think my mother said she paid like $50,000 for this house back in 2000. Well, if anybody knows the market right now, I mean, you can make, she made a massive profit. And so my mom puts her house on the market. She listed at 6 in the morning. At 8 that morning, we had had a customer call and said they wanted to come and look at the house. At 2 o'clock the afternoon, they came and looked at it. At 6 o'clock that evening, they had put in an offer for full asking price, and we sold our house in less than 12 hours. Wow. Yeah, my real estate agent said that's quick as she's ever sold a home. Less than 12 hours from list time to under contract for asking price. And I was just like, Wow. And then at the same time, I was like, wow, okay, now I've got to get Time to get going. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh-oh, all right, buddy, it's time for the big show now. Let's get, <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. Let's get it together. This is it. Yeah. And um, I think about all that times when I started contacting you about stuff. Yeah, okay. And um, because when me and Brent finished my house, I didn't do any land. We didn't do any landscaping on our house whatsoever. And, um, and I remember talking to Brent. I was like, okay, so how do I take off on this? Because – it was also a respect deal because Brent was retiring in two years. And so I would never take business from him because he is retiring. It's a respect deal. Why would you turn your back to your master here? Yeah, he's mentoring you through the building, building process. So he had yeah. this idea of, hey, you go ahead and start branding yourself now. You go ahead and start building houses. We'll never bid against each other, but I'm going to be there for you the whole step of the way. Cool. And uh, I said, okay. And uh, I kind of got my foot wet with um, – and that's one of the first conversations I believe I had with Shane. I said, hey – um, I'm looking into growing my business and looking for a future people to work with because I don't want to just have 48 subcontractors. I want to have people I can – because that's how you ensure quality is using the same product every time. And so um, that's when I reached out to Shane and had started had started having these casual conversations with Shane. And um, we fast-forward through here. and um, so this is all going to going down, and I start to market my business, and um, I'm doing different things, you know, to to make my business. And uh, it's about the time I start meeting Shane, and uh, you know, he obviously has his hey, listen to this podcast, and then we start talking about God's sovereignty, and I'll never forget I was it was I was at the EMS station when I had finished listening to the third podcast, 
And when I talk about feeling that I have never felt before, I had always knew God was there, but I'd never felt God. And it had all hit me at one time that I knew what my purpose was in life. My purpose was to now build homes for people, do them right, and spread the word of God. I had never in my life knew what my purpose was, ever. I had always followed. And the overwhelming, like I said, to believe in God and then to finally feel God and then to truly know without a hunt, without a doubt, what you are set here to do. I'm shaking thinking about it right now. That feeling that hit me was unexplainable. I cried in my truck by myself for 15, 20 minutes Mm -hmm. because I'd always thought, why did you burn my house? Why did you do this to me? And then then he showed me a bad contractor. He showed me a good contractor who was also a painter of his, who was a buddy of his. He put these guys on that ambulance in my life that helped mold me when he was, because he was older and getting sick. And then uh, I think, why'd you make me work my granddaddy on that ambulance? And then I realized he would have never wanted anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of a backstory with him. My granddaddy was always a go-getter. He was always working. You know, he was not the kind of guy to sit around the house. And up until that point, that last year, he was starting to struggle a little bit. He got put on oxygen, and he couldn't be who he was. And I can remember always telling him, like when I was a kid, like he never wanted to be the one to be in the nursing home. And then I realized that God took him out off earth how he wanted to be. He never wanted to be the one to lay up in a bed. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I never understood it, but I understand it now that that's how he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think of it, it was my granddaddy knew that I was ready for life. And it had a plan. And he still looks over me today. And it's been him who's looking after me ever since he's passed away to guide me through building a house and guide me through Brent and meeting guys like Shane. And it's been a plan. And it finally took the aha, the aha moment that I finally had after listening to all this. So Brandon, Brandon says uh, a lot of times that like, God hasn't hit us over the head with a two-by-four. Mm-hmm. It sounds like that may have happened to you, um, but um, God had a plan throughout your entire life to get you to this moment. And I think you and I have talked about this a little bit before. That plan don't stop now. No. It's really just no. starting. That's, That's right. right. Yep. That's it's right. really just starting. I you think got, uh, you got on the right track. Now now you're on the right track. So it's almost like the plan starts now. You know? Yeah. Um, now I'm, I'm taking off. I was telling Shane, we joked about this yesterday. If you had to identify my relationship with God as a item up until this, it was a shovel. And now it's a bulldozer. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Yeah, I love cool. that. The thing that I love about your journey and uh, I really appreciate you sharing it, and I know it's going to resonate with someone's heart, is that, you know, what I hear, if I didn't know you uh, at all, and I was listening to this, I see this beautiful connection between our Heavenly Father, sovereignty, and how beautiful it is that we never fully understand it completely, and then we get these moments where we're like, okay, I see what you've just experienced and shared with us, You've got these father figures throughout your life. No, you didn't have a traditional father. 
uh, like most people think of it in the world, but the, your heavenly father is just guiding you down this path where you probably often feel like you're aimlessly wandering. And these little pieces are connecting to where it's like that aha moment where you go, I see all of your sovereignty. And that's a pretty cool thing because we talk about that often. Seeing God's sovereignty, we got to be looking for it. Absolutely. You got to look at that glass half full and, and not half empty. And you were looking for it recently. Yeah. And up and until then, this point, I was never looking for go. it. And hearing that made me look at that glass half full uh-huh. instead of half empty, instead of highlighting what the bad was to then open my eyes and see, ah, what was the good in this? Yeah. Where did God guide me? This is how God works, none of us in this room will ever understand. That's a great point. It's like putting a thousand-piece puzzle together without the box with the picture on it. No doubt. (laughs) And, like, now you've got the borders in a corner, and you're starting to see. God already knows what that puzzle looks like. Yeah. But we have no idea. We have no idea. All right, guys, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. We appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much for listening. If you would, uh, subscribe to the podcast. That'll help us out a lot and reach more people for Jesus. Uh, Go out and kick the day in the face, and we'll catch you on the next one.